Would you stand with me as we come now to Matthew chapter 11, beginning at verse 25 and reading to verse 30, Matthew chapter 11, let us pray. Father, as we come now to Your Word, we pray that You would speak and we would hear, and in particular I ask that this message of rest would be our experience this morning. In the name of Jesus, amen. So, my friends, Matthew chapter 11 and beginning at verse 25. At that time, Jesus declared, I thank You, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that You have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was Your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal Him. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. This is the word of the Lord. Do please sit down, my friends. Well, as we come now to this passage, I want to begin by giving a word of greeting to you, whether this is the first Sunday uh, you are here or um, whether you are someone who's been coming to College Church since before the ark or thereabouts. And in particular, I want to show you that this passage is perhaps the most important teaching of Jesus's for our world a world in which we live with very high levels of stress. Stress has been shown to be a contributory factor to many health problems, relational problems, spiritual problems even. And this passage is telling us how to find rest, not a vacation or a rest break, but the inner rest, the rest for your souls of verse 29. Now, my friends, I can think of no more important teaching for people today. As a pastor, I look at the sheep and I long for them to have this rest. I see busy people, tired people, burdened people. And here Jesus comes and tells us that rest is found by following Him. Now, of course, there are many Christians, you and I both know, who do not seem to have much rest for their souls. And so Jesus shows us how to follow Him to find rest here in three ways. First, He says, come to me. Second, he says, 
Take my yoke upon you. Third, he says, learn from me. These are three specific instructions that Jesus gives for us to find rest. So let us consider them together. First, we find rest by following Jesus, which means first, come to me. Now, this, of course, is found in verse 28. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. What is Jesus saying here? Jesus is saying that we cannot find rest for our souls unless we believe that He is God, and therefore come to Him exclusively and personally. You see, this whole section from chapter 11 to the end of chapter 13 is all about this revelation of Jesus as God and why some see it and others do not. And so, in verses 25 to 27, Jesus explains that who believes in Him is not based upon human learning, though not all children come to Jesus either, but it is entirely based upon the sovereign choice of God. It is a matter of revelation, not of learning. And there are some learned, of course, who have received this revelation, and some unlearned who have received it as well, but the revelation of who Jesus is is not based upon human learning, but upon God's choice. And so it requires the humility of heart evidenced by little children as they trust their human parents for people to trust that Jesus is God. You have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Now, to be childlike is not always a good thing in the Bible. Indeed, right before this passage, Jesus has likened those who rejected Him and John the Baptist before Him to being children who played games with both of them and were frustrated they did not fit into the rules of their childish game. Sometimes we are called childish in the Bible, encouraging us to become mature. But when the idea of being like a little child is used positively, it means trusting like a child trusts its parents. It is then faith that is in view, not ignorance. Why? Why is it done like this? Verse 26, for such was your gracious will. It is the simple pleasure of God. Jesus gives no further reason here, though the similar passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 tells us that the reason is so that no one can boast. You see, for God to reveal it, and it not to be based upon human learning, though there are learned people who accept the revelation, of course, 
But that means that God gets the glory, not man. So, my friends, come to me, Jesus says, which is by God's revelation, verse 25, God's good pleasure and will, verse 26, which shows us, verse 27, that the Father and the Son are both equally God. Everything that the Father has is given to the Son, and no one knows God fully but God. So the Father only knows the Son exhaustively, and the Son only knows the Father exhaustively. Some years ago, scholars used to think this sounded so much like John's gospel that it did not really belong in Matthew. But more recently, it has been shown that Jesus is drawing upon Hebrew ways of thinking and speaking. This may be wisdom literature style of speaking. Jesus is God, just as the Father is God. This is the path of wisdom. What is more, and therefore... Because Jesus is God, and no one knows the Father but the Son, the only way to know the Father is through the Son. Only those to whom the Son chooses to reveal Him will be those who know God the Father. What does this mean? It means, Jesus says, verse 28, Come to me, all who labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Will you notice that the sovereign choice of God is never biblically held in opposition to the evangelistic call of the gospel? Jesus does not say, come to me, those whom God has chosen, but come to me, all because the offer is for all, and only those who have been called by God may by definition come to Jesus and vice versa. So all the religious searching of the pagan Greeks, all the religious search of the spiritually minded contemporary people who are unsure about the institution of the church but want somehow to connect with God, all the longing of the Jewish people to meet with God, all the hard, laboring, weary workers, all the stressed and burdened by guilt and moral failure in the past, all those who are conscious of their need like little children of their need of a heavenly Father. All those come to me, Jesus says. Do not go to Allah or Buddha or philosophy in an existentialist or postmodern sense. Come to Jesus. When the great man Mahatma Gandhi was coming to the end of his life, One of his relatives approached him and asked, Baba, you have been looking for God all your life. Have you found him yet? No, he replied, 
I am still looking. But Jesus is saying, the search is over. These things, that is, the secret of knowing God, all things, that is, who God is and how to know Him, all of this is revealed in Jesus. As one thesis on verse 27 put it, that which is hidden and revealed by the Father is the Son Himself and what pertains to Him. And therefore, Jesus says, come to Me. Well, would you do that this morning if you have not already? If you do, you will find rest for your souls. But not only come to Jesus. Second, we find rest by following Jesus, which means also, take my yoke upon you. Well, my friends, this is verse 29, of course, and the same metaphor of the yoke is repeated in verse 30, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus is saying here that the way to experience rest for your souls is to accept a Jesus-centered view of the Bible not a law-centered approach. You see, the yoke was a common metaphor for trying to follow the law. At a bar mitzvah, a Jewish child would take upon him the yoke of the law. The picture came, of course, from the agricultural society, which would have been familiar to them, of oxen yoked together, pulling a crude plow connected by a crude piece of wood. And to be yoked to the law meant to be connected together to it and to pull that plow. And Jesus is saying, do not accept a law-centered interpretation of the Bible. Do not accept a Pharisaic view of the Bible if you want to find rest. Elsewhere in the Bible, you see, the same metaphor is used to explain that this yoke of the law does not work and just burdens people. When the early church was trying to decide whether Gentiles had to be circumcised and obey all the Mosaic ceremonial law, Peter spoke at the great Jerusalem council saying, now, therefore, why are you putting God to the test by placing a yoke on the neck of the disciples that neither our fathers nor we have been able to bear? Similarly, Paul told the Galatians, for freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery." And by contrast with the yoke of the law, Jesus' yoke is easy. It works. It is light. It will give rest for your souls. Now, this does not mean that it is not a yoke at all. Michael Green, in his excellent commentary on Matthew's gospel, remarks, His yoke is gentle, 
but not in the sense that it is less demanding than Judaism. In some ways, it is more demanding, but it is the yoke of love, not of duty. It is the response of the liberated, not the duty of the obligated, and that makes all the difference. Perhaps with this image in our minds, we should imagine Jesus the carpenter. He would have made several yokes himself. And he is saying that he has made a yoke for you that fits well. Or perhaps we should replace the metaphor of the yoke with its concrete meaning in terms of the covenant. So the Bible, Christian, is not saying that God is a taskmaster wanting to spoil your fun and to turn you into a little Pharisee. The Bible, Christian, is saying that God is your Lord, your King, your fellow ox plowing alongside you. So the Torah, the law, is replaced with Jesus personally, a covenant with Him and being filled with His Spirit. And indeed, that makes all the difference. So find rest by following Jesus, which means come to me, which means take my yoke upon you. And third, which also means learn from me. Now, this is also, my friends, verse 20. Learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, what does it mean when Jesus says, learn from me? Jesus is saying to find rest and grow in rest for our souls, to have a deeper rest is not only to come to Him to begin with, not only to accept a Jesus-centered, gospel-centered view of the Bible, it is also to grow in learning from Him or grow in discipleship of Him. You see, is it not true that so many Christians take the first step, they become a Christian, they come to Jesus, They may take the second step. They accept Jesus as the interpretation of the Bible and reject a Pharisaic view of the Bible. But then so often they do not go deeper in rest for their souls because they do not grow in that discipleship, in learning from Him and being a disciple of Him. We too easily think that starting is good enough, understanding a little bit is good enough, and do not realize there is far more that is good that is on offer. We wonder why sometimes we still feel harried and stressed 
and still experience inner turmoil, even as Christians. And so often the answer is because we have stopped learning as Christians. We used to go to the Bible study groups. We used to serve. We used to go to the prayer meeting. We used to meet with someone for early morning coffee to encourage them to follow Jesus as well. We used to do all these things, but now we are content simply to have a ticket to heaven. We feel perhaps that if we go on with our discipleship, we will lose some of our freedoms. But the reverse is the case. The more we learn from Jesus, the more we experience rest for our souls. He is not just a drink of living water. He is a spring of living water welling up for all eternity. The same is so often the case in human relationships. We enter into marriage with great joy. We realize that marriage is a personal covenant commitment, but somewhere along the way, we stop growing together, challenging each other, learning from each other. Perhaps we feel if we change or grow, we will lose what we already have or become less free. And so sometimes, similarly, in the Christian life, we begin well. We understand our theology. We start to read a Jonathan Edwards sermon or buy a Gospel Coalition book or listen to an MP3 sermon online. But then at some point we simply stop. We stagnate or we cease to learn from Jesus. We think that everything that there is to be said about Jesus must have been already said. Perhaps we become fed up with sermons. Sermons are too long or too short. They are too contemporary or too traditional. They are old-fashioned or not sufficiently so. Or we become disengaged from the singing of songs together. We no longer lift our voices so that the person next to us has to, as it were, put their fingers in their ears because we sing so loud. We whisper the songs and our minds are watching American Idol while our lips are singing Amazing Grace. And then we wonder why gradually our souls start to feel thin. We take classes on theology, and theology becomes a subject. We study God like a biologist studies a microbe in a test tube, not like a creature studies its creator or a lover studies his beloved we hear stories of God greatly at work in other countries or in other churches, 
And immediately the double-headed monster of cynicism and sarcasm rears up inside. And so there is not rest inside, peace, contentment, joy. There is bitterness. And we wonder why. What happened to the sweetness we used to know? What happened to the joy we used to experience at the simplest tune? The smile that would come to our lips when someone sang loudly and out of key next to us, but sang of Jesus. We look at the people around us, the old people, the young people, the middle-aged people, And instead of rejoicing that God has hidden spiritual warriors to shake heaven and earth in the most unlikely of human vessels, we look now more as the world looks on the outside and judge people by their clothes or their hairstyle or their looks, not by their heart, their fruit, their godliness. Sins that used to horrify us now are in danger of seducing us. When once we would look at a sin and say to ourselves, God forbid, there but for the grace of God go I, we think to ourselves now, well, because of the grace of God, why cannot I? It is God's business to forgive We say to ourselves, like the secularist Voltaire used to say hundreds of years ago, we listen to an atheist cynically describe all Christians as hypocrites and wonder whether they have a point, rather than think that psychologically people love to throw mud at things that make them look bad to bring everyone down to the same level. We rejoice when someone falls, not lament when they do, for we wonder whether that would mean that if we fall ourselves, others would not take it so hardly. We are, in short, a Christian who understands the Bible and how it fits together in a gospel-centered way. We are an evangelical, not a liberal, a Christian, not an atheist, but we are a biblical, gospel-centered Christian who has ceased to grow, who has stopped learning from Jesus. That is why we do not have this deeper rest for our souls. That is why we cannot sleep. That is why we cannot rest. That is why inside there is turmoil. We may not be a worldly Christian sitting on the fence, finding it as always an unhappy place to be but we are a Christian that is no longer learning. And as such, though we have eternal security and rest in that sense, we are battered and beaten by those things around us. We are not filled with the Spirit, rejoicing in adversity, 
and finding on a daily basis rest for our souls, we are still a little bit burdened. And Jesus comes and says, Learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. This rest is the Sabbath rest of God. The word for rest here was often used to translate the Sabbath rest. And in this context here, right after this story, comes Jesus telling us that He is the Lord of the Sabbath. The rest is the promised rest of God. That means that as we have come to Jesus, understood how the Bible fits together, and now learning from Jesus, we grow in deeper and deeper soul rest so that even the heavy burdens of life are no longer heavy but light. We are no longer burdened by sin. We are burdened by grace and that is no burden at all. A new recording of an interview that Jackie Kennedy gave before she died, on condition it would not be released until long after her death has emerged. In this interview, she discloses how her husband, John F. Kennedy, managed to go and see his great hero, Winston Churchill. But she says it was a terrible disappointment to Kennedy because by the time he went to see him, Churchill was mentally far past his best. Kennedy felt he had got there too late. Well, all of us have our heroes, and all human heroes are in the end a disappointment, for they will in the end fade. We come to them We accept their yoke of teaching. We learn from them. And at some point, what we learn is that they are fallible, human, fallen, even at times disappointing. They all have clay feet. Not so Jesus. You can start with Him today. Come to me, he says. Accept his teaching of him being the golden key that unlocks the treasure of the Bible. Take my yoke upon you, he says. And you can learn from him. Learn from me, he says. And every part that you learn... Every word you read, every book you study, every prayer you make, every confession you give, every testimony you declare, every life you serve, every moment of time you give up, all of that 
you will find will never leave you disappointed, but only more and more, deeper and deeper, satisfied, content, rejoicing, happy, and yes, at rest in your soul. Let us pray together. Our Father, we pray that through coming to Jesus, taking His yoke upon us, and learning from Him, we would grow in deeper and deeper joy, contentment, and rest. For we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.